Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Sleepers, Keepers, and Creepers with John and Paul, where we talk fantasy, big and small. There we go. Alright, thanks for turning in, everybody. Um, before we get started talking about the south, Southern Divisions, John, anything interesting happened in your week? Uh, probably the most major thing was the first fantasy draft of the year this past weekend, so I got to test some of my own knowledge and... We'll see how it all turns out, but I'm feeling pretty optimistic. Yep, and we're going to be talking about two of those teams. Uh, no, just two of those players uh, that you kept. What was your favorite pick in the draft? Favorite draft pick? Uh, it's a tough one. I, I think the best value pick I got was Travis Kelsey in our first round of actual draft that, uh, that I was able to have this year. So because I was able to only keep a few players... From last season, I didn't keep the maximum number, which gave me an earlier draft pick than certain other players. But I was able to keep Travis Kelsey, which was a pretty nice value, I think, as my fifth person on my team. Yep. Um, But I think my favorite pick was Aaron Jones. I mentioned that I believed he was going to be the primary back this season. But for the Green Bay Packers, once he comes back from suspension, there are always risks to that. And... Him being taken later on in the draft, I feel like I got a pretty good value out of him as well. I believe he will probably end up being a running back two for me at some point during this season. Nice. How about you? What is your favorite pick of this past draft? I really liked all mine. They were just the goofy pick. I took Bortles last, but that was just two seasons ago. I really wanted Bortles, and then Ben picked him above me in our league, and I was ticked off, so I just thought, yeah, I might as well just take him. <laughs> it's round 15. We got a pretty deep bench the way our keeper league fit, functions, so thought I'd just take him, but he's already cut. I already picked up somebody else for him um, that we may talk about later on, but I guess my favorite pick, just for the timeliness of this episode, would be Peyton Barber, who we'll talk about coming up here. And mentioning that, we'll just go ahead and get started. So, keeper, sleeper, and creeper... And we're going to start with Atlanta, and I'll go ahead and head us off. And the Atlanta Falcons were kind of tough for me at first to do this, and that's why I want to start with them. Strength of schedule 16, offensive line is three overall. My keeper for this team is your man, Devonta Freeman, Mm -hmm. that I did trade to you in the offseason. Correct. Me and John had a trade, and it'll be interesting. I really wanted to get rid of a lot of bad memories that I've had in this league, so I I shipped off David Johnson and Devonta Freeman for his Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook. Um, And and I do think both – it was a very legitimate trade, and I think Devonta Freeman is going to be very good this year. Uh, He had those concussions last year in the um, MCL and PCL – sprains that he's been running through and it was his first season without Kyle Shanahan and I thought that he was becoming more of like the three down back um the only thing I don't like about him is that strength of schedule 25 what do you think about that about my Devonta Freeman keeper I'm gonna have a hard time ever coming up with an argument against Devonta Freeman I've tried mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that bother me about Devonta Freeman on paper most of which is opportunity. He has an opportunity as the starter. However, he has a very, very, very scary backup in Tevin Coleman on that roster. And in my opinion, it goes against every fiber of my being to like Freeman with a guy breathing down his neck. But Devontae Freeman's numbers don't lie. Over the last few years, he's built up a nice amount of information for us to look at. And 
his consistency when he's healthy is undeniable. And so I like Devontae Freeman a lot, um, even though I would like to be skeptical about him. I think his yards per carry uh, haven't suffered at all, and I think Tevin Coleman might have even enhanced those, his efficiency numbers, not being able, having to take all the carries every, every game. So I am a big fan. I think it's pretty easy to expect close to 1,000 yards rushing and probably close to another 300 yards receiving, similar to last season. Um, the only question will be touchdown breakdowns, but I believe both players will be used in the red zone, so I don't think it'll be heavy one direction or the other. See, and where I disagree is that, I'll go ahead and skip to my creeper, is my creeper is Tevin Coleman. Uh, I just don't understand his value. I think people are so caught up in the past that he was so effectively used with Kyle Shanahan when he was there. And he brought the most out of Tevin Coleman. And I do think Tevin Coleman's a great back, but this is his contract year. And I can't remember when Atlanta took the, I'm pretty sure they took a rookie running back, did they not? Do you know? I do not know off the top of my head. Either way, I know both parties are planning on going. Yeah, if you can look that up. I know they're planning on going their different ways. And usually it's not this person's going the different way. Let's burn the gears and get the most out of them. It's let's keep this team going in the direction of the future. They're going to use Kevin Coleman for sure because he's talented. But to now, he just becomes to me like another handcuff running back. Um and if you liked Tevin Coleman two years ago with Kyle Shanahan a lot, then go draft Matt Breida. Please draft Matt Breida because <laughs> his average draft pick is way, way low, higher, I should say, than Tevin Coleman. And you're going to get the Tevin Coleman of the San Francisco 49ers. And I, I, I just don't understand. We'll talk about the San Francisco 49ers another week. But if you like Tevin Coleman, in other words, just go get Matt Breida or another handcuff and cheaper on that's going to be effective in the offense. Um, but Tevin Coleman, to me, his his draft pick is a little bit too high. I find that very interesting. I, I have a different keeper, but I also have Tevin Coleman as my sleeper. Personally, I believe both players will be involved within the offense, but I do agree with... Your concept that Kyle Shanahan, you it definitely knows how to run an offense. It's been proven in a lot of places that he's gone, based on their consistency and the involvement of certain players being able to play a lot of roles for him. So, I, I can see where that might be the case, but I think his numbers are pretty strong from last season. I would hope that he would still have the same utilization. Um, I think if he could maintain those same numbers, which I don't find to be super difficult for them, especially with the decrease in Matt Ryan's passing yards over the last uh, season from the two seasons ago where he was an absolute stud, I think that he'll still be utilized pretty well. Um, so personally, I have Tevin Coleman as a sleeper because I think it's very possible that he could be able to put up running back two numbers. And there's always that upside that if Freeman gets hurt, he is a fantastic handcuff in those situations, but also even as a standalone running back, I think he becomes a very solid upper-tier running back two to maybe a lower-end running back one. Yeah. I just think if any starting running back gets hurt, you can say that about a lot of handcuffs, that they become this tier one. I think there's a lot this year. That is fair. Even you can go and take the handcuff for Todd Gurley and say, well, he was ran to death last year. There's a chance that he falls off, gets hurt, worn down, and you see a lot more of his backup. But, but that's just my thought on Tevin Coleman. What, just to cap mine off, we got keeper Devonta Freeman. I thought sleeper. Um, 
Tevin Coleman. Oh, Creeper was Tevin Coleman. Sleeper was kind of hard. I think you're going to see the same Falcons offense that I do agree. Tevin Coleman's still going to be involved. It's still going to be Julio Jones. The only thing that was different about him last year is his touchdown regression, which to me was an absolute fluke. He'll still be the offense. But we all know that I think Sanu has a floor and then a ceiling that's a couple inches higher. Like, you know what you're going to get. And Calvin Ridley that they took this year. Uh, by far some of the worst quarterbacks that Alabama's seen that he was effective with. And he's going to be f- functioning pretty well. Uh, he's already more aged than most of the rookies. Uh, extremely quick. I think he's like a four four forty, And he, they say in camp he's got pro route running already. And I think he's got some experience with special teams. I could be just talking crazy right now, but... Anyways, all those things that kind of factor into early success from fantasy uh, wide receivers in their rookie year. So I, I do think Calvin Ridley has a potential to be a sleeper, but I'm not targeting any draft late round. But that, that's my sleeper pick based on his average draft pick. I think that's a great idea to keep a little watchful eye on him and see how the season shapes up. I would agree that he might be a little bit of a risk to draft in a 10-team standard uh, non-PPR league. But... Maybe as the season goes along, there might be extra opportunities. Um, but my keeper is Julio Jones this season. Um, in in my current keeper league I just did the draft for, he was one of my keepers as well from the previous season. And although his numbers were slightly lower than what I would have liked, upon closer examination, it does make a lot of sense. Uh, Paul alluded to my major factor, which is Julio Jones' lack of touchdowns. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of ability for him to project to have the same amount of usage while still having so few touchdowns next season or this upcoming season. So I believe that it's easier to expect him to have somewhere between six to eight touchdowns rather than three in this upcoming season. And his yardage total has been very consistent over the last few years, ranging from 1,400 to 1,800 yards receiving. So if he's anywhere in that range with the six to eight touchdowns, he's still going to be a very solid wide out one. And with a, a lot of the same personnel on the team, I can't see a large regression besides injury for him. So I think he's a pretty safe keeper. If, um, if you are keeping him though, like, uh, and we, we kind of used keeper as a loose definition. Like, uh, he's pretty good for his average Jack break. In other words, or keeper is in a keeper league. Definitely keep him this season. But if your season's starting to get out of hand, he's still only 29, but it may, may be time if you're find, find yourself drifting away at the trade deadline to ship him off for a younger piece. Uh, he's not like a keeper. I'm thinking three years down the road, he's still going to be producing as high as he is right now. Going, I think, nine overall for waters, nine overall in the draft, and maybe two or three, depending on who you're looking at in PPR standard uh, wide receiver. It's a very fair point, yes. Our keepers are basically along the lines of a safe pick for this year and and not so much their actual progression in a dynasty league or a perennial keeper league. I would agree that Julio Jones, his age is beginning to become a problem. I think he could still see two to three years of strong play, but it should start regressing probably upon that third year for his production based on his age. Yeah, he's still got elite game speed. His separation on yards on, the, on defenders is nuts. So, I mean... Just ask that poor Carolina corner that lost his job whenever he uh, gave up 300 yards receiving against <laughs> him last season. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see Julio probably pr- predict or perform pretty admirably. I would say this year. But my creeper is probably going to be Mohamed Sanu. I know he's not super highly rated this year, 
um, on a lot of draft boards, but I just believe that oh, he might be projected slightly higher than what his numbers would indicate he's able to produce. Um, and I, I believe with no Kyle Shanahan, it'll probably be less points overall scored in the Atlanta offense as a whole this season. So him as a another option and a younger Ridley even being worked into the um, receiving rotation should limit him his production, I think, slightly. Um, so I, I think it's pretty safe to assume he'll pro- produce very similarly to last year, which is really only like 600 yards, 656 yards, and six touchdowns-ish. So with so few yards and only a few red zone, uh, red zone looks, he's really only a injury replacement sort of thing for Julio because he's been able to sh- prove that he's done that with the Cincinnati Bengals back when A.J. Green was hurt. You saw his numbers uh, increase quite a lot. But I think that he's just a low upside pick. So I think I'd rather draft someone with way more upside, even if their floor is much lower than Muhammad Sanu this year. Yeah, I agree with that. He doesn't excite me at all. I don't know. If he's on your draft board and you're really looking to target him, just go elsewhere. Take a risk somewhere else. And I'd take Calvin Ridley over Sanu in a heartbeat, I think. I would as well, yes. Especially if you got a keeper league, then all of a sudden some things are trickling together and you can take take him next season too which I think he'll be pretty he'll be a bigger factor next season with the Falcons especially because Coleman is in his like I mentioned last year that contract he's not going to be there so there's going to be more offense to be had it's true a lot of opportunities a lot of change probably based on the contracts all right we'll keep it going so you got your keepers through creepers there and then what do you think about New Orleans New Orleans I think this is the most exciting a uh, group of people to talk about today. I think that New Orleans has a lot of uh, fantastic players, but I think I'm going to start with my favorite of them all. I don't think I can be overselling this enough talking about my keeper being Alvin Kamara this season. It seems like even even though his numbers, most people are probably thinking they're good. Has anyone actually looked to see how good? Last season, he was able to put up so many points with only partial time. I mean, his yards per touch, along with red zone opportunities and touchdowns, and being involved in the with Drew Brees' very versatile offense, I couldn't love him enough. And then with the Mark Ingram suspension for the first four games, I think you're going to be seeing sky-high production for a few weeks there. And even though with Mark Ingram coming back, it will dampen the ceiling a bit for him, I can't see him being anything less than a solid running back one for the remainder of this season and probably going forward. The only thing that uh, I'm really concerned about might be some red zone touchdowns being stolen by Mark Ingram or Drew Brees' passing touchdowns to other people. But overall, I think Alvin Kamara has an immense ceiling. Can't be ignored. I, I, I I wouldn't even be angry if people took him number one overall. Even though I wouldn't have him ranked number one on my board, I think he has a true possibility of scoring the number one fantasy running back points this season. Yeah, I think he's safe there. And I'll just chime in since I got the same keeper. There's no reason to wait. I think he's safe to take number one overall because his offensive line is six overall. I mean, that's a huge factor. And in the last five games of last season, he completely dominated Mark Ingram in uh, scoring position touches too. So factored him out there, which is kind of surprising because you do think Mark Ingram is the bruiser, but... It's about efficiency, too. When you got Kamara on the field, you don't know he can run. Um, and he's also effective passing screens with uh, Drew Brees. I, I like him. Like you said, I wouldn't doubt or fault anybody that takes him one overall. But he won't be mine. Um, 
but yeah, he's definitely my keeper. Um, and there's going to be these stats you were talking about are just superhuman. There's no way he's going to be that efficient when he gets the ball this year, but it's okay because he's going to have much more volume this year to work with. It's going to make his numbers and his yards, I think, per catch were like 10 or something last season. I believe he was getting over six yards a carry and over 10 yards a reception last season. Yeah, like we know that's... Unsustainable. Yeah. Absolutely uh, unsustainable. That's not going to happen, but he's going to have so many more attempts and so many more receptions, I think, that it doesn't matter. He's still going to put up better numbers in volume that he's he's safe. I, I believe he could cut off 30 to 40% of his production, and he's still a running back one. Like, he could underachieve that much based on his previous season, mm-hmm. and he's still respectable. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy to me, just based on volume making up the difference. And the Saints have a stuff a tough strength of schedule this year too, and that works well with Kamara because he can be used in every facet of the game. If they're trying to control the game, he's still out there getting his touches, and if they're from behind, they're going to use him in screens and get chunk yards too late in the game when they're trying to come back. But I do think his limiting factor is I think everybody's caught up talking about Brady and when he's going to hit the age cliff. Breeze is getting up there too, and once Breeze goes down, Kamara goes down big time too. I, I think Breeze is just like Brady in the sense that he makes everybody around him that much better. And I think Kamara is definitely in that in that boat. So Breeze. if you see Breeze even fall off early, like in this year he may suffer from, you know, Kamara, he, he may suffer from that. But in, if you're finding yourself in a keeper league and you're thinking, well, I'm going to keep Kamara for years to come because he's so young, I would get rid of him. I would trade him at the deadline if you're falling out of contention and – get some pieces that are more reliant on their self. I think he's a little bit more dependent than other running backs. I believe that's a fair point. But now that we got our fantastic keeper I can't talk enough about mm-hmm. in these drafts, I, I'm going to go with uh, my sleeper. Um, I think my late-round sleeper in a lot of these fantasy drafts is going to be Cameron Meredith. Um, like we were talking about, Drew Brees has an immense amount of skill for elevating the people around him. Being able to look at his best receivers that he's ever played with, besides maybe Jimmy Graham from a talent perspective, um, Marquise Colston was probably his most notable receiver that he played with. That was a seventh-round draft pick, ladies Mm -hmm. and gentlemen, that he made into a perennial top-notch receiver. He's he's made deep threats into reliable ones that never... You never will hear their name outside of that Saints system. So... I see Cameron Meredith as a high-talent player that was very, very riddled with injuries. But I think that late in the draft, um, he's coming from the Bears as well. So in a system where he's much more limited by the talent around him from Cameron Meredith, I don't know if he would have ever been able to have the talent around him to succeed at with his highest ceiling there with the Bears. But coming to this fresh new scene with New Orleans, I think... He's an interesting person to keep an eye on. I wouldn't be against taking him later on around in the drafts um, if you're looking for a wide receiver late. Um, I, I like what he could do, especially considering his uh, the people around him that aren't the amazing wide receiving core and Michael Thomas. It looks like some of those notable receivers are Ben Watson and Ted Ginn, who are both getting up there in age to very old for their position. So I think Cameron Meredith's the most intriguing option. Um, on the down low for New Orleans. Yeah, I love him. He's an athletic freak, and he's going to be in the slot. So I like him. He's my sleeper too. Uh, six foot three and two hundred and seven pounds, and he runs a four four. Well, closer to four five forty, but still, he's 
speedy quick. Uh, freak athlete. He's going to be like Colson, only, you know, I, I even think better Colson than Colson based on what I saw at the Bears. The Bears were just horrible, and people were kind of like, well, maybe this is a receiver to own there. And if he keeps recovering from those, I think he had just one surgery but two tears in that knee, and if he keeps recovering and he's looking healthy going into the season, then yeah, definitely I think he's a sleeper to keep an eye on because outside of Michael Thomas – those options are just, I don't know. Well, they We've all seen what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I can agree that he's my sleeper, too. I like Cameron Meredith, but he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, that is a big risk. That's his biggest risk, in my opinion, as well. Are we going to go three for three? Maybe. Is this the perfect trifecta? I don't know. My creeper this year, and it almost pains me to call him a creeper because I love a lot of these New Orleans pe- uh, people on this team. And I can't say that people like Ben Watson or Ted Ginn are creepers because I don't think anyone has a lot of draft stock involved with them. But Michael Thomas is who I think okay. is the creeper. Okay. His numbers are not sky high for a receiver being taken so high in a lot of these drafts. And based on Drew Brees' age, I, I'm a little bit, only the slightest bit worried that Michael Thomas will be able to fe- be fed the deep ball as reliably as he has in the past. Um, by no means am I looking at Michael Thomas dropping into the fourth round or anything if he's on my board, but I don't know if he's quite a mid-tier first round pick to like a high second round pick. I'm looking at him maybe a little bit later in the second round. Who's a receiver he's around that you like more? I, I would say that I'd feel a lot more comfortable around a Deshaun Jackson. Or, I mean, not a Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> it's horrible. That's That's <laughs> But I'd say uh, maybe along like the A.J. Green area, and I would probably take A.J. Green slightly over what I would take Michael Thomas. So I think it would only really drop him a few slots in the draft, but it's a very... I find him that you're going to probably receive something like 1,100 to 1,200 yards based on his previous two seasons, and something from five touchdowns to eight touchdowns. And so those are very reliable numbers, but I can see though you getting similar production even out of a guy like Demarius Thomas, with even though his age is less appealing for a lot of the keeper leagues, I think his production could be similar this season with a couple of the improvements there. So I think a, some of those second or third round picks might be a little bit better draft bargains for you. Okay. All right. I see where you're coming from. He is a target hog, though. So if they can True. keep Drew Brees' arm alive and active, I, I feel pretty good about that. But I am taking other people around them more. I'm a big fan of Keenan Allen. Um... I like Diggs this year a lot, too. We talked about Diggs last week, didn't we? Or in our last podcast. We did. Yeah. I, I like Diggs this year. My creeper, though, is Mark Ingram. I think it's bad. All bad for Mark Ingram. I mean, we got the, the suspension. One thing. The second thing is he's skipping OTAs because he doesn't like his contract. And we saw how quick they are to put somebody in a doghouse last year with <laughs> Willie Sneed. So, I think... Plus... I feel like they've never even liked him. They've had like brought in like Donta Hightower and he got more carries, right? <laughs> Unthinkable. <laughs> Can't Just believe it. Every year you're like, well, clearly Mark Ingram's the best back in that backfield. And then they bring out some random, like, oh, Elijah Penny will just, he's way better than Mark Ingram and just no love for Mark Ingram. They'd rather re-sign Adrian Peterson after all of that. They right. just rely on Mark Ingram. Right, and have the goofiest commission in, I, I don't know. 
they've never seemed to be a fan of Mark Ingram, in other words. And now with all this crap that's going on, he had he would look like a monster last season, but I don't expect it at all. I, I don't think they like him. I maybe if he gets traded, I think he could go somewhere else and have a big season. There's a lot of backfields that would like him, but I think his days of being a baller saint are done. Especially because he's past his prime years pretty much now. I think he's getting closer to 30. Yeah, yeah, no thanks. He's my creeper. Especially since he's going close to the sixth round, seventh round. You can get some much better talent, in my opinion. And much higher ceiling, in my opinion, than him. With a higher floor, too. Because his, I think his has fallen out from under beneath him with all these wonderful decisions he's making. <laughs> The best. <laughs> yeah. And let me go ahead and talk about a team that I think has somebody you can get in the mid-rounds on a reach. And I have a I love them a lot more. And we'll go to Tampa Bay. My childhood favorite team. And I'm still hoping that Madden Overdrive releases my golf stop for us <laughs> this <today>? year. <laughs> I got all the other... Yeah. Every other Tampa Bay stud on defense, but no my golf Every Madden game he's ever been in, my whole offense was fullback dives and just over and over again. But Tampa Bay, I love them, sweet spot. So, well, I don't love them that much anymore, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love them. They're a little hard to watch these like, days. My love for them kind of left when Chucky left and... <laughs> but anyways, here we are. My keeper, strength of schedule is 31. Keep that in mind. And I don't think Tampa Bay is a good team. So if they're having that hard of a schedule, this team is playing from behind a lot this season. Offensive line's 22. Not very good either. Not not much time to make a good decision. And I don't think Jameis, <laughs> he's not very good at making decisions anyways. But give him the a, name of his game. Yeah. <laughs> now he's got decisions. a worse line. And he'll be back over Fitzpatrick. And... And Fitzpatrick's decision in my career, every time I watch him, especially since he was a Bengal at once, and then I watch him when he's with the Jets, is I got my one target, and this ball's going to find his way there 80% of this game. So I keep Mike Evans. I think he's going to – everybody's like, well, what do you think without Jameis Winston? I'm fine with it. Fitzpatrick's going to be throwing this ball to him. He's 6'5", wide out, freak athlete. Um, and last year, yeah, he regressed, but he had such a crazy stat. Inside – 10 yards in the red zone. He was one for nine on touchdown grabs. That's not happening this year. He's too big of a red zone target, and he's going to be getting this ball like crazy. Um, Deshaun Jackson experiment was just bad. It was four years past where it could actually make a mark. Um, Cameron Brait and OJ Howard I like a lot. I don't like them in my draft board because they're limiting each other. And Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys are good, but we don't have the quarterback play to utilize all those weapons. I think in with that poor line and with the garbage time at the end of games, this ball is going to Mike Evans quite a bit. And I feel fine taking him there. But he's, of course, not the middle-round guy I'm talking about that you could get better value out of Mark Ingram. That's coming up with my sleeper. But what's your, what's your thoughts on my Mike Evans stance? I don't know who else you keep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm looking at Tampa Bay's offense, and all I can see is a hot, steaming dumpster fire. Yeah. Without Jameis Winston to lead their football team, because he is a quality quarterback when he's on the field. He has a great arm and a lot of physical talent. He's definitely able to deliver the ball to Mike Evans consistently throughout the games. So once he comes back from the suspension, I'm not at all worried about Mike Evans. Um, I think he'll be a very consistent performer. But... In the meantime, I just don't see a lot of cohesion. 
whenever I saw last season their inability to run the football, where Doug Martin's putting up embarrassingly low yards per carry average, I just... And then you see their offensive line rated around 22nd in a tough division. They're going to be probably playing from behind with. I just, I don't really like it. And from a fantasy standpoint, it just makes it even harder. Because reports are indicating that uh, one of my one of my creepers for this would be uh, Ronald Jones II, a rookie that they drafted. They, Whenever you see a rookie running back drafted, whenever they let go of their starter, you'd imagine that they would be in a great position and primed for success. And I believe Ronald Jones II does have that. He has a perfect position and an opportunity to perform. And usually that's what I like. But you hate to hear so many reports saying that Peyton Barber is clearly outplaying him in every facet of football so yeah. far. Um, so in my opinion, I just I think I'm a little scared of him. But that's a split backfield that you have shaping up there. As well as split tight ends, who both look very good. All, everything that I've seen from O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait show that they're both very good playmakers at the tight end position. And I think a lot of teams would love to have those two tight ends on their team, but it makes it more of a nightmare to find for fantasy owners. So really the only person I can see on this team is probably Mike Evans that will be able to produce consistently. Gotcha. So you, it sounds like you got keeper, a keeper, a keeper and the creepers pretty much over there. Um, but I still found a sleeper that I like a lot, and I mentioned him already, and it's Peyton Barber. If this team wants to win any games this year, they're going to have to control the time of possession. And to do that, you're going to have to run effectively on the early downs. And Ronald Jones just isn't looking like he can do that. Um, the coaches still say that they're somewhat happy with what they're seeing. I mean, like he's progressing well. Maybe he's got a shot to find a role in his niche in, the, in, in offense in general in the NFL, but still early. Yeah. We still have preseason games to be played and you can right. learn a lot, but But Peyton Barber has come into offseason and it when like they've interviewed him, he's he's wanting the starting gig and he's going for it. Um he's running hard. There was like a clip I saw where he ran over his own wide receiver that he was running so hard. <laughs> just ran him straight over and kept going. Um got to like the hustle. Yeah. And like headlines are saying running laps around Ronald Jones. Um, so if they're going to try to win these games and control time of possession, they're going to have to feed the big man. And he weighs, um, 15 pounds, I think heavier than Ronald Jones. Uh, so I'm, I'm alluding to it enough. My one creeper is Ronald Jones and that his frame is 5'11", 205. And you're like, okay, so maybe they're getting him to kind of fill the Tevin Coleman, kind of trying to fill the... I don't know. I was going to say Matt Breida, but he Jimmy may be there. Bernard, we mentioned yeah. last week. Yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about San Francisco, but <laughs> that smaller back. But he played 40 college games, and he caught less career passes than he played in college games. He caught closer to 30 passes total in his college career. So I don't know exactly what role he's going to fill because he seems small to be a feature back. He's not really a pass down back. He's quick for sure, and he's got big play probability, yeah. But I don't understand really what he's going to do in Tampa Bay with the poor offensive line, a hard strength of schedule. I'm not excited about him, especially because people have taken him early after that rookie class we had last year of all those running backs. I think Peyton Barber's the, the running back to go, kind of a sleeper just because how poorly people are drafting him. And if Peyton Barber and Mark Ingram are on the board, I'm taking Peyton Barber actually this year. Um, that's just me. I think Mark Ingram finds himself in the doghouse, and I think Peyton Barber's got every chance in the world right now to run like a beast and try to keep this job. 
he's definitely the goal line back outside of anybody they got. So he was last year too. So that's not going to change. I'd agree with that. I think the only thing I'll note on the end is that if I was going to look for some sort of sleeper on Tampa Bay, I'd be leaning toward OJ Howard. I know he was a very high draft pick for them and his talent indicates that he could be something special. Um, Cameron Brait is a little older and more reliable. It seems like the quarterbacks like to throw to Cameron Brait more, but OJ's poten- er, potential skill might shine through if he can get a little more comfortable coming into his like couple years after his rookie year. Usually it takes a few years for the tight end to really come on. So o- OJ I keep an eye on. I still don't have him on my draft boards or anything, but maybe around week two or three, if you see some production, he might be worth snagging. Um, but And if I had to pick a, a creeper, I think I'm going to go with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, we kind of alluded to him a minute ago, and I couldn't echo what Paul said more. I just think his time's up. As a deep threat that gets older, it's very hard to find your position in the NFL. And with Deshaun Jackson's lack of size and diminishing speed, even if he is very still very fast, he's not able to burn people the way that he used to. I think you're going to see less consistent play from him. I believe you'll have a few good games for him. So... Maybe if you're on a heavy bye week week against a soft secondary for Tampa, you might give him a role as a flex option, but it is very risky. I think you're looking for snake eyes on that sort of role to get the odds to go in your way. I just don't think he's reliable whatsoever, and the diminishing stats over the last few years would indicate his on average, he's far under his career average in the last few years. So I think this might be the bottom out year for him. So I would avoid him like the plague. Yeah, if it wasn't already last year. I mean, his name is the only reason I'm keeping him on the draft boards, in my opinion. Everybody else has fallen apart. If you're upset that somebody picked Deshaun Jackson, you really want to pick Mike Wallace because he's like the same older player that does the same thing, only he's going to have more opportunity than Deshaun Jackson because he's actually got a legitimate quarterback. Fully agree. Yeah. Um, especially with Jeffrey out, too. Um Maybe Mike Wallace is even a legitimate pick. We'll talk about that later on. But that takes us to our last team of the old NFC South here, and that's the Carolina Panthers, which is an interesting team to talk about because Cam Newton does have problems hitting parked cars and houses with footballs (laughs) when he throws them. So, and he's the leader of this offense. So, what do you got according going? According to Kelvin Benjamin, <laughs> yeah, according to Kelvin Benjamin and everybody that still watches the NFL, uh, you know, disregarding all the protesters that probably still watch the NFL. But who who do you got over there? Um, Carolina is pretty intriguing. I think I think the landscape of Carolina might be getting skewed from a lot of the major networks looking at these players. Um, Although I do believe Cam Newton's accuracy may suffer at times, I would say he is the keeper for me this year. I think there's enough of a track record for Cam Newton that a lot of his fantasy scoring is going to come from other areas. It may not be from 50 past past tense games where he's throwing 40 completions out of the 53 and for 400 yards and four touchdowns, but I think he's going to be stealing some of those goal line carries. Oh yeah, that's, uh, yeah, for sure. So I think that'll stabilize a lot of his numbers. He's involved all over the offense, and he's immensely talented. So I think Cam Newton's pretty safe with his draft position as it is. So I think he's just the reliable uh, quarterback you're probably going to be looking for. I will say that quarterbacks this year do not reach on them. I think the depth in that position means you can be a little patient and wait um, to see. So I'm not targeting Cam Newton in particular, but if the draft goes the way... 
sometimes it can with so many people waiting on quarterbacks. You might be able to get him first after you fill up most of your roster. Maybe you're looking around the sixth round or seventh round before you could snag him. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. He's not my keeper, but I, I like him. I, I think he's going pretty much fairly where he's at with his average draft pick, but I like him more than the other top-tier dual-threat people, especially because he's definitely going to get the red zone sneaks and steal some uh, goal-line touchdowns. But you got the other two being Russell Wilson. Um, of course, Russell Wilson, I think, is a way better quarterback overall. I agree. I think he's more multi-dimensional. But, but his line is a joke, and I don't know how they can not. <laughs> and it's been a joke, and every year it's yes. a joke. And it's like, well, we got a good lineman. What are we going to do? We're going to trade him for a tight end that <laughs> is probably it doesn't even fit what we do up here. Like, I don't understand why they hate offensive linemen in Seattle. <laughs> I don't good know. Ones. <laughs> but Max Unger yeah. is no joke. Well, but anyways, they still don't have a line yet again. I just be terrified if I was Russell Wilson. If he had a line, he would be quarterback number one. But sadly, I would take Cam Newton over him just because Cam Newton's line isn't anything stellar. People are saying it's around 20. But he's got somewhat of a line, and he's got a sample size. And I'd take both of them over Deshaun Watson because of their sample size. Um, So I agree with you. I I like him as a keeper this year where he's at, and I would even take him. He'd probably be – I don't draft quarterbacks early at all. Just my drafting style. But he'd probably be my quarterback number one this year, Cam Newton, actually. Just because he's got the sample size below him, he finally doesn't have Kelvin Benjamin, who is just this weird dynamic that when he's on the field, it just the offense is worse in general. <laughs> and C.J. Anderson is a better version of Jonathan Stewart 100 years over. Jonathan Stewart's been overrated. The only thing Jonathan Stewart did really well to me was hurt D'Angelo Williams' career. <laughs> but, I, I, yeah. yeah, I just think it's a better tooled offense, except who my creeper will be. Um, coming up, which my creeper is going to be Greg Olson. I'll just go ahead and say it. If you like Jason Witten last year, I think you're getting close to Greg Olson this year. <laughs> I, it, the cliff is kind of obvious for me. That's a Jones fracture is horrible for players to come back from, um, and he's gotten he's going to deal with it in the twilight of his career. And he also kind of looked kind of uh coming back from it last year and ups and downs and. Usually, sadly, with the Jones fracture, too, you see people have to undergo further treatment, and it's it's a hard one to actually have heal. And you saw that with Sammy, Wack, Sammy Watkins. Um, I just don't get it. If you like Jason Witten last year, that's fine. Go ahead, but I'm not taking him up there near Jimmy Graham. Um, not that Jimmy Graham's my highest tight end either, but uh, no thanks. He's 33 years old, and he's dealing with the debilitating injury for National Football League players. Um, so he's the only creeper I have, but it's not going to hurt the offense. He's still going to be a solid football player. And their offense is going to be more f- well-functioning this year in general. And my keeper is going to be Devin Funches. Um, thankfully, Kelvin Benjamin's gone. Devin Funches is going to get, like he did, he's going to take over all the targets last year. Greg Olson isn't going to steal too many uh, from him. Uh, DJ Moore, right? Who's there? Yeah, potential sleeper. I, I don't like him in the slot. I don't. I think. A, I think for a slot wide receiver to be effective in the NFL, you have to have a very talented passing quarterback. And I don't think Cam Newton's that. I don't think DJ Moore meshes too well with Cam Newton. But I think DJ Moore is a, a very good athlete and a good wide receiver. Uh, but he's not going to be my sleeper. 
Um, I don't think any of these threats are legitimate threats to the Devin Funches, who Cam Newton is a quarterback that is kind of like what I just talked about in Tampa Bay. I've got my guy. I'm going to throw it into the tightest window possible and hope for good things. And thankfully, when you're throwing the ball to Devin Funches, you've got a window that's six foot four and 237 pounds. So he's a huge target. He's going to be getting easily the most targets in Carolina out of everybody they have especially red zone, I think, this year. Greg Olson's just not going to have the quickness with, with what he's recovering from. Still, I can guarantee it. And getting open. So I'm keeping Devin Funches. I like him, especially in a wide receiver class. I think he's got a ton of question marks this year. Um, yeah. I think it's a pretty fair point. I think Devin Funches does have a nice opened-up role within the offense. But I kind of have a very mixed amount of feelings based on Carolina. I feel like there's a lot of question marks within the receiving game in general, except for one man. But oddly enough, I think he's my creeper. I think my creeper is going to be Christian McCaffrey. So many people are putting his average draft position up around the third round, but I don't see anything that would indicate he is going to receive more targets in the offense versus last year. I think he's going to have probably the second most targets on the team behind Evan Funches in this offense, and I think some of those are going to be in the red zone, and some of them are, most of them are going to be in the middle of the field. Um, but the reason I'm saying he's a creeper is just because with the signing of C.J. Anderson, who is my sleeper on this team, that might as well. I, I believe Christian McCaffrey is going to not be as available to take a lot of these touches um, as people think he will be. Him being almost exclusively identified as a pass-catching running back means that he's going to be in on third down and longs and not so much from the rushing attempts that are available. So for me, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be very good in PPR leagues because he will be utilized in the passing game in an offense that doesn't have a lot of options to throw to. An aging Greg Olson, which I'm higher on than Greg Olson than Paul is. However, I think all of his points are pretty much valid. I don't think Greg Olson is primed for a resurgent year. I think his production will be hurt by the injury, but I think he'll be also utilized. And Cam Newton has a lot of chemistry with Greg Olson. So as long as the injury doesn't completely ruin him, I believe Greg Olson will be at least a respectable tight end. But I think he's more along the, the area of uh, Delaney Walker, who I also really don't like this year. So a, a low-end tight end one for Greg Olson. But C.J. Anderson, I believe his numbers were so sneaky good in Denver last year. Denver's offense was pretty rough with Trevor yep. Simeon running them last season. But C.J. Anderson still managed to put up 1,000 yards rushing while staving off Booker, who's been around there for a while out there in Denver and is getting better reviews. He was a rookie season. last year. Oh. Well, <laughs> he seems like he's year. been around there for a while. <laughs> but Booker had a lot of promise, and I know that they, they liked him in their system. And a lot, I expected Booker to take over last season, but C.J. Anderson was clearly playing very well. He's had a very low number of touchdowns, I think, due to his offense being rough. So I believe that C.J. Anderson with Carolina and a fresh set of scenery here is going to be pretty useful. The only risk is that Cam Newton, I think, is going to steal a lot of their touchdowns, and McCaffrey is going to get a lot of the third down runs. But I don't think the separation between C.J. Anderson and Christian McCaffrey is going to be as great as what the average draft position will say. Well, let me make you feel a little bit better about your sleeper. Because my sleeper is C.J. Anderson, and... I think he's going to pick up better than where he left off in Denver. And I'm not saying he's an excellent running back, but I'm saying based on when 
where he's being taken in the draft. And you also find that me and John don't have much love for these PPR running backs. I don't. We don't like anybody who's designed to function on pass catching. If you can't run in between the tackles, you're not a running back. Why not? Running back run, runs the ball. Out. Yeah. Uh, so, but again, if you play PPR, then go ahead and take your Christian McCaffrey and hope that the brilliant uh, Cam Newton can get him the ball. But <laughs> I I like the early down people that are going to be getting guaranteed touches. And there is a ton of touches because the Panthers are missing the eighth most uh, touches from the previous year's running back. So there's tons of opportunity. C.J. Anderson's going to come in there, and there's not going to be any goofy Jamal Charles experiment where he's hurt with horrible injuries every single year, but let's bring him in. That's probably a guy you thought was around for a while because he's been around for too long. True. Um, Plus you bring in Devonta Booker, and they're all kind of doing like the same thing that Denver's trying to get him to do there. But now he's in Carolina. There's There's a ton of carries to come his way. Um, McCaffrey is that de- he can't, he can't run in between the tackles unless something changed um, over the off season. But here's what's funny is that we say that Cam Newton's going to steal these touchdowns from their goal linebacks, but that's not true. I just think Jonathan Stewart's been so inefficient in his career that he, Cam Newton's finally like, well, that's why I have to run these and get my head blown <laughs> off by defending linebackers and stuff because this guy can't run. And he looks like he's supposed to be a grinder in between the tackles, but he just couldn't do it in my opinion. Last year, Stewart was top 10 for red zone touches. Cam Newton's not stealing those. They're not getting <laughs> converted. Um, so those are going to fall to... I think C.J. Anderson. He's going to have close to all of those carries that Jonathan Stewart was getting. And he is a better... That's what I'm trying to say is I don't love C.J. Anderson by any means, but he is a better version of Jonathan Stewart. He's going to get those touches that Jonathan Stewart was getting. And maybe we see him pump out more touchdowns than he's ever had in a year. I can see that easily happening. But there he is, our sleeper. And that takes us to the end of the NFC South. And we're going to go wet our whistles and take a quick intermission. And we will be back to talk about the AFC. All right. We got an ice cream break and a water break. And the old vocal cords are lubricated. We're ready. We're ready. And now we're going to the American Football Conference. Is that what it stands for, the AFC? I've never actually thought about it. I believe American Football Conference. All right. If not, we're going to sound really good. <laughs> Real good. Real good. <laughs> Things you don't think about until they start coming out your mouth. And we're going to start with the Tennessee Thanoses because he's a Titan. <laughs> All See right. what you did See? there. <laughs> so... I'm going to go ahead and start it off because I was listening. Is Brad Evans the guy that talks for Yahoo the most? Uh, I don't... Let's say no. he is. The bald guy that talks a lot and thinks he's funny <laughs> on Yahoo. You know, he may know a lot more than me about sports. But anyways, I don't know what Derrick Henry did to this man to make him so mad at him. <laughs> but he hates Derrick Henry. And I think this is so interesting. How do you hate... A lot of people think he could be the bus this year, and I, I don't understand that. When he's gotten his chance with DeMarco Murray off the field, he looks like a monster. Can straight carry the game. And when you have a strength of schedule of seven, a beautifully soft schedule, and you have an offensive line around five, top five, add that together, 
with Derrick Henry, who run, yards per carry is over four, grinder, big Frankenstein-type running back. <laughs> that, plus strength of schedule, plus offensive line, equals touchdowns. You, Simple equation. You told me at the end of the season Derrick Henry led the league in rushing touchdowns. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that's crazy. And they're going to be a solid team. They got a solid D. They got an easy strength of schedule. They're going to be pounding the ball. They're not going to do any of these little scat back passes all the time. Um, I think Mariota is going to revert back to the good Mariota that we've seen. And we'll talk about the wide receivers and stuff too. But I love Derrick Henry, and he's my keeper, by the way. I'm not. I would personally probably reach a little bit farther for him, but he's. I think where he's going in drafts is pretty reasonable if you look at his ADP. Um, but some people are just saying he's a bust. But hold strong because I think he can be a freaking tank this year. And I think he could be top 10 running back. I think he has all of the makings of a Jerome Bettis-esque running back. And the question is, will Tennessee be able to play defense and keep them in the football game? Mm-hmm. Because I don't foresee them lighting up the scoreboard necessarily. But at least it looks like they're playing against phonies. Because based on everybody, they're saying they're, they, got a, they got a nice walk. It, it does help quite a bit. And so, I, I'm also with you. I think Derrick Henry is my keeper for this team. He, in my opinion, is the clearly most solid player for this team. And having the loss of uh, DeMarco Murray. Murray. That's right. Uh, it was right on the tip of my tongue. You just said it two <laughs> seconds ago. But the loss of DeMarco Murray, who is a very similar style running back of Derrick Henry, is only going to help him. Now, he's clearly the first and second down running back. And they did add Deion Lewis, who only lightly concerns me, but mostly he has a very defined role of a third down running back being utilized in the receiving game. But little did I know that he can actually run well by himself through the tackles because last season with the Patriots, 896 rushing yards, six touchdowns. I think a lot of people really wouldn't have looked at him and thought close to a 1,000-yard rusher for New England with so many running backs touching the ball. But with those two both being there, I, I don't see how Tennessee doesn't move the ball on the ground. Top five offensive line, great power running back to wear down the, the opposing team, and Deion Lewis for any sort of pass catching and long third downs. I, I foresee a great recipe there as well. Right on, right on. Who's your sleeper? What do you got? Sleeper? Uh, this is where I get into it a little bit. I think they have a very interesting, albeit shaky, receiving core for Tennessee. They don't have a lot of proven in there, and they're very young. But if a couple of them can break out, I think they could really do some, make some noise. Primarily Corey Davis. I know he's the, floating around on a lot of boards as being the one of the better sleepers that you can get in this draft. Injuries seem to be the big thing keeping him down, especially last season, missing a few games. I like him. You know I took Corey Davis in the draft. Sure did. Yep. So I think we got a believer there. I am a believer, but he is not my sleeper because so many people know about him. Um, and not saying he's not a sleeper because I think it is ADP. He is a sleeper in the sense that he should be going a little bit higher, honestly, because he's a freak athlete. But my sleeper is also going to be a wide receiver, and it's Taewon Taylor. And that's because Eric Decker leaves, leaving behind 83 targets, 11 of which were in the red zone. Okay, And then, wow. yeah, he's got fantastic game speed. He's got a year under his belt now with Tennessee. And Mr. LaFleur is coming over from San Francisco. And I don't. Did you pay attention to how much Cooper Cup was fed the ball? And <laughs> a few from a few San Francisco. Catches. I'm sorry, St. Louis or Los Angeles, however you want to view the Rams now. But Cooper Cup, have you highly targeted? Yeah, 94 targets last season, 23 in the red zone, seven 
in the 10, in, from 10 yards and under. He, so you tell me that 83 targets are going to be left behind, 11 in the red zone already, so from the slot. And now Taewon Taylor's going to slide into there, and the new offensive mind's going to be feeding the slot. I like him. To me, he is a late flyer for my team. He didn't fall that way because there's so many other sleepers in our draft that I, I didn't take him. He could be in the free agency, and I think he should be owned. But when it comes to other sleepers I want to mention, like uh, how we mentioned Calvin Ridley for the Falcons, this guy's a legitimate sleeper. I'm taking Taewon Taylor, and uh, I, I'm happy with it. I think he's going to have a pretty dang good season, and I think he's going to get his targets. I also did take a look at Taylor. Uh, I think his four five one forty speed is really uh, going to help him a lot there, be able to help stretch the field and take a little bit of pressure off Corey Davis if he can work things out. Uh, I know Tajay Sharp was looked at a lot last year as a sleeper, but with him being lower on the depth chart, um, I think it indicates that you have the right receiver to own if you believe in this passing game. I think I do. I like him. I like the Titans on a whole this year. I think they're going to be a solid team. But I don't like one player. Let me tell you who my group is. Do tell. Lawrence Maroney. Lawrence Maroney. Oh, wait. Sammy Morris. <laughs> no, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. <laughs> or Stephen Ridley. Mm. What do all those people have in condom, common? I, they I, looked wildly efficient in New England. And then they're not because they're not that good of a running back outside of New England. I think what we're talking about Alvin Kamara earlier, I think he's way more talented than those names I just listed. And that's why he wildly crazy with Drew Brees. But the Patriots, you're not going to... Yeah, those stats were pretty cool that you said about Deion Lewis. And this is why I reached on Derrick Henry is because I think Derrick Henry is just going to be the feature. There's not going to be... I know he's not had much passing experience. I don't think he's ever top 15 caught balls in a season. But who's to say he can't? Because I didn't see Todd Gurley catching that many balls last year. And I don't even care if he gets the catches or not. We play in a standard league for the most part. But Dion Lewis is just like every other name I mentioned right there. And he he's 5'8", 195, and ran a 4'6", 40. I, I don't see it there. I don't see the skill set. I, I see, see him being a... And he was quoted saying, the Pats let me go because they didn't think I was good enough. I don't know if that's his chip on the shoulder, shoulder belief or if it's the truth because... Maybe he isn't good enough. I think he was made to look a lot better by New England system. For him to be going in the sixth round on his average draft pick is insane to me. I don't see that at all. Um, and didn't Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, for example, get a nice contract from the, your home team, the Bengals? Oh, well, my home team too, but I'm sure did. <laughs> and he was pretty good at falling forward. He didn't fumble. Until he got to the Bengals. Did he fumble then when he, he came fumbled. Here? <laughs> so we didn't even get reliability. <laughs> Pretty great signing. Uh, memorable. But he he fits the primary back of New England for the past years. There's only two backs that re- leave Bill Belichick. And it's the people that are going to go try to get that contract, which he did get a nice contract. Or it's those people that go to Bill Belichick to retire, like Corey Dillon and Steven Jackson. I don't know if Steven Jackson was actually good when he got there from the Rams, but... It could be debatable. Yeah. But either way, I don't see a slow, small running back coming to Tennessee and actually being a threat to what I think Derrick Henry is going to do on the ground. I I also agree. I I think Deion Lewis has value. Sixth round's probably a bit high. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
And I, I do agree with you. Derrick Henry is not going to lose first and second down carries to Deion Lewis unless he's tired. I think he's clearly the feature back here as well. I just think Deion Lewis has a nice complimentary skill set, but we'll see. Um, the thing I'm worried about personally is Mariota. I think he's a bit of a creeper, and it's hard to say because his average draft position isn't indicating that he's being picked a lot. I just think he's a question mark. If you look at two years ago, I think his numbers would indicate that he has an immense skill set and he could be primed for a huge breakout season. But last season, with his 15 touchdowns to 13 interceptions, it shows his decision-making wasn't fantastic. And part of that could have been lack of receiving threats and them getting Taylor uh, Tawan over there. It could help. The development of Tajay Sharp and the development of Corey Davis all could help him quite a lot in this offense, along with a much stronger, more balanced running game, I think, with Henry Lewis being a better complementary set of running backs than Derrick Henry um, previously. So I think Mariota has a lot of risk for him if you're looking at him as a quarterback one. I know the average draft position doesn't indicate that, but he does have upside. I, I was having a hard time finding a true creeper in, in this offensive set because I think there's just a lot of upside, but not a lot of high draft position to indicate anyone besides Derrick Henry on this team. Yeah. And honestly, I could take some rewards and kind of make Mariota a sleeper as well. I think he's more of a boomer bust type quarterback. I, people keep talking about Deshaun Watson, but this is a dual threat guy that's got, I don't know, you're taking Deshaun Watson in the third, fourth round, some people, maybe look at Mariota if you're hanging around late. Again, we'll talk about that later. But again, I, I don't understand Brad Evans ripping Derrick Henry and saying that the <laughs> back to own is Deion Lewis. And 5'8", you're what? I believe currently I am 6'3". Six 6'3", three. Six three, and I'm 6' even. Can you imagine, like, of course football's a little bit different, so the average height isn't extremely insane. And you think about basketball, and everybody dwarfs us. Yes. But me and you taller than this guy, and I don't know. I mean, of course we're taller than some other backs, too, but 5'8"? He's small. I mean, you have to be elusive. To, to steal early down... It's not going to happen. Is Mariota a good enough quarterback to be like Brady, to be like Breeze, to involve a running back in the passing game? To be seen, I guess. Yeah, to be seen. But I'm not taking him in the sixth round. And I'm not even going to sit here and think that the offense isn't gonna, is going to be ran through him and not Derrick Henry. Uh, I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> it's a fair point. I think Derrick Henry's volume will only increase with Deion Lewis being more of a role player for him. I do too. And I like Deion. I think it was a solid add to the team. To replace DeMarco Murray? Mm-hmm. I like it. I do. I do too. But I don't like people saying that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anyways, let's move on to Indy, who who I will tell you right now, I'll let you out of the floor, but I am, if Andrew Luck is healthy this season, I got one keeper and two sleepers, and I'm staying away from the creepers. No creepers for me in Indianapolis right now, unless Luck, mm. unless Luck goes down with the injury, which is the obvious. Yeah, and I mean, Luck has a lot of innate risk. Um, it's hard for me to say that he is a sleeper, a keeper, or a creeper. I think there's just so much rides on him based on his average draft position with where his health is. If he's healthy, he's undervalued. If he's if he stays healthy the whole year, he's probably gonna perform better than his average draft position. And his floor isn't gonna indicate that he's probably gonna be much worse than what his draft position is. So in a lot of ways, I like Andrew Luck. You just have to temper your expectations. Um, 
he could be a little risky. So you gotta have a backup plan. I think a backup quarterback could be highly important uh, with Andrew Luck. It would be what I would do late in the draft is secure with one of the depth quarterbacks that you have here. Um, I think it could go a long way. And uh, I think the the keeper that I have is T.Y. Hilton. I believe he's the most athletic, um, talented player on this offense from his fantasy standpoint. So I think he's the guy to watch. If Andrew Luck's healthy, T.Y. Hilton should be drafted probably two rounds higher than what he is right now. But if he's not, he's he, he could be a bust. He could be more of a flex option instead of a wide out one. Yeah, he could be one of those guys you're thinking, do I take him over Michael Thomas? Honestly, right. I, I would. It would be a real convert. It's a real thought, and I think I'd be more apt to take T. Y. Hilton because of his ceiling than Michael Thomas. I think fifteen hundred yards for T. Y. Hilton with a healthy Andrew Luck. He's so who, quick. Who airs it out? I, I think he has a lot of upside there. Um, so Hilton's my guy to own. Fantasy football's been missing the Colts. Like that's a if Andrew Luck's in the game, that changes the whole landscape of fantasy football in a way. It makes all these people relevant. And T.Y. Hilton's my keeper, too, because he's so quick. And, and the quickness translates to his game speed, too. He's so fast, and he can do every single wide receiver role. And we do take a risk when we call him a keeper because he was, like, wide receiver 20s in overall last season with Brissett. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but he's my keeper, for sure. He, stay, he stays on the field. At least he'll get you something if luck goes down. But luck looks good now. Yes. And if Luck stays good, we know him and T.Y. Hilton got the chemistry. And I expect some big numbers from T.Y. So, yeah. I'm in the same boat. What else you got? I think this is where it gets complicated for me. I think I have a nice hodgepodge swirl of sleepers and creepers right here for us. I have not seen a running back core this confusing in a long time. I think there's going to be a guy that wins this job... But I don't know who it's gonna be. Well, let me let me illuminate. Let me let me help you out before you say, and let me see if I can persuade you. My sleeper running back's Jordan Wilkins. We got Marlon Mack last year, who couldn't run block. I mean, pass block to save his life out there, and he looked like a doofus for the most part. <laughs> so nobody's really high on him. Like you don't yes. see, hear anybody in Indianapolis praising Marlon Mack because, like, he was supposed to be the guy that replaced Frank Gore. Not the case, uh, especially this hamstring injury. And we were both surprised when the Sean McCoy came back from that horrible hamstring injury. But yeah, very. If you're asking me a muscle group that's strained heading into the season for a running back, I wouldn't want it to be a hamstring. It lingers. It reaggravates easily, and almost always people get rushed back from it. It's it it kept Ken Griffey from swinging a bat for eight years here in Cincinnati. It seemed like <laughs> pretty so, much. I don't want him being my running back. So I don't think he's going to be starter week one or very limited. So somebody's going to get a role to shine. We were just talking about 5'8", Deion Lewis. Let me tell you this. 5'8", 198, Himes. He was their fourth-round draft pick. Very quick. The average of the leading tacklers last year we were looking at, we got Preston Brown, Blake Martinez, and Joe Schobert. All of them are 6'2", 230 to 250. All right. I, I'm six foot, 250, and a lot of that's a lot of cushion, but still, how many times do you think I can get tackled by those linebackers and love to tell about it? I'm going to go with maybe 10, yeah. 15 times. No. This, Himes very well may be a role-playing back. 
everybody has to have that little quick pass catching back, especially in garbage time. And if you matches, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, he's not going to be the featured back. He's not going to be running it. Um, I've already said Marlon Mack's not going to be running it. That leaves me with my last option, and that's Jordan Wilkins. And let's talk about size: five eight one ninety eight for Himes, six one two sixteen. And this guy is described by as a violent runner who runs at people. He's a legitimate three down back in his description. And when he played big teams in college like Alabama, and you can look at the tape, is he he took it to him. He didn't show down. He didn't slow down in the big games. The big games are where he kind of shined. This dude's a gamer. Um, and I, I just think he's going to get the chance. And I, I, I'm surprised he went in the fifth round, um, and to be honest. I think he's going to get the chance to be the number one guy there. And he's got the tools to take over Indiana, Indianapolis and kind of be... Uh, this team's going to score a ton of points if Luck's healthy. They're going to score agree. a ton of points. You want to have the back on this team. So if it's not him, and if it's not Marlon Mack... And I don't think Himes is going to be he'll he'll get his fact he's going to get his role playing stuff, and I don't think it's Marlon Bl- Marlon uh, Mack because Luck is hurt because of all the hits and everything. If you're going to Luck won't let the running back be somebody that can't pass block for him anyways. They Wilkins is going to get the chance, and if Wilkins doesn't pass the test, then we're going to get stuck with boring Robert Turpin after his suspension when he gets back. So you can take a flyer on Robert Turbin if you don't believe in anybody I'm saying, but my number one sleeper and who I am targeting in drafts is Jordan Wilkins. Sounds like that's money, but I am also very hesitant to target any running back in this mess of uh, running back core. Um, Jordan Wilkins appears to, from Paul's perspective, make a great choice, and I, I'd be apt to agree with him that he seems like the safest choice in here. Marlon Mack definitely was not overachieving last season with 3.8 yards per carry. That's not wowing you. Plus no pass blocking and uh, not being able to do the fundamentals that they need. I think that's going to lose him his job very quickly in this pass-first sort of scheme. So I'm with you there. And I don't think Brennan Oliver or Christine Michael on the roster either. I don't even know if either one of them make it. Maybe one out of the roster with Turbin being out. Uh, but either way, with, with a shaky historic O-line and a battalion of running backs that are all in the running, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to put a lot of stock into any of them. But I think in the late rounds, Jordan Wilkins or Neheim Hines are the two that I would look at the most with their upside being rookies and drafted this year, which shows the team has a little more faith. They're wanting a little bit of change from Marlon Mack. So anyone who drafts two running backs back-to-back know that they need to improve the position right. quite a lot. I think Indianapolis realized they've got another Richardson. Uh, it does look <laughs> that way. Well, Unfortunate for them, they could find a guy that could get less than three yards a carry. So Jordan Wilkins is, of course, my one sleeper, and I said there's no creepers for me on this team. If Luck stays healthy, this team's just going to go up and up. Do you remember the other Indianapolis Colt I drafted last night? I would have to be reminded. Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant. Ryan that Grant. is correct. Uh-huh. When Luck is on this field, the Indianapolis Colts are facing a 90-target deficit right now to their wide receiver core. And not to T.Y. Hilton. To outside of T.Y. Hilton, there's 90 targets that are going to in- increase with Luck on the field. And he's made people like Moncrief, mm-hmm. um, Kamar Aiken, right? Uh, Some black names. 
And some Anyways. very blah names in that receiving court behind T.Y. Hilton. And everybody around Indianapolis is saying that Ryan Grant is separating himself from the other receivers. Not T.Y. Hilton. That T.Y. Hilton and Ryan Grant are both separating himself. But there is a clear drop-off after those two. Ryan Grant's got the bigger frame than T.Y. Hilton. He's not huge. He's around six foot. But T.Y. Hilton's small. Ryan Grant's going to be much more, I think, targeted towards the red zone. Of course, they got Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. But... I'm not too high on any of them because they're just going to be limiting each other. Um, but Ryan Grant and his time with the Redskins, which is the whole wide receiver core has just been kind of a big question mark with the Redskins. But while he was there, he was top 25 in wide receivers with yards after the catch per reception. And then he averages 1.25 um, career fantasy points with when he uh, – it's either per pass – to him per target or per catch, which I'm sure isn't too much of a difference because I doubt he was too heavily targeted. Probably similarly, yeah. I think it was 1.25 per target. You give him around 90 targets, which just cut it off at 70, and then that's top. You multiply 1.25 the multiplier out by 70, and you're putting him in top wide receiver 40 already. Let's see what that is. You just had you had me at a 90 target deficit within the offense. I know that. The addition of Eric Ebron will be a few of those targets, but with a dual tight end set and a bad offensive line, it seems like it's more or less to just protect luck to throw. Right. I think Eric Ebron is just limiting Jack Doyle. Yes. And so personally, I believe Ryan Grant will definitely be targeted, especially filling in the role for Moncrief. Um, and Moncrief, I think, has had a lot of success when Andrew Luck's on the field. It just seems like no one else could make him work. It seems like the moment the backup came in, T.Y. Hilton's the only receiver getting any targets. So I think that Grant is also a good sneaky addition as well. Later in the drafts. But I think what we alluded to a little bit, so I'll just hit my creepers on the head, is going to be Jack Doyle. I think with the addition of Eric Ebron and Ryan Grant, and it seems like reshaping the offense with so many running backs being added to their team and trying to find that identity with more running balance, I just think Jack Doyle's production is going to be a little bit limited based on Ebron. So I, I don't like Doyle as quite a tight end one this year. I think he's more of a tight end two. So if you ha- if you dress two tight ends in your league, he he has a really nice spot there. But I think there's just better, safer options for targets mm. going forward for this season. Yeah, there's a lot of upside with people. And we've talked about the Raiders. I think we talked about the Raiders already. Did, I don't no, we haven't. haven't. We haven't. But they've got tight ends. I think they drafted two. We talked about the Ravens drafting two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just some – there's some – there's some higher ceiling players now. Yes. Of course, like I said, you want anybody. Jack Doyle's a safe pick, but there's some risk out there you could also take and maybe have a... But that is coming from me who went with Evan Ingram last year, so I'm wondering if there's any diamonds in the rough there again. But, I think there's more appealing upside yeah. for different players besides Jack Doyle. Who, who are we going to next? we got two teams left. Um, I think I'm feeling a little Houston action. Houston time. All right. I'm pretty I, – I, I, we may have come to our first disagreement with Houston, mm-hmm. I feel. I'm ready. Go for it. What do you got you want to share about? I know you got a lot. Houston is uh, definitely the team I feel like that has the most interesting fantasy prospects within this division. Um, I like a lot of what there is to see here. I think that there's – with the addition of Deshaun Watson last season and him coming on to start – I couldn't have been more thrilled with the upside that he showed in a few games. 
It's not all peaches and cream for him, though. But I still think that he has uh, a little bit of a whiff of a keeper for me this season. I have to acknowledge that DeAndre Hopkins is my prime number one must-keep, gotta appreciate. But I think that's very widely accepted. So in my opinion, Deshaun Watson coming off of the uh, ACL tear, I think he's going to come back and be just fine from this injury. I know quarterbacks, especially that don't primarily rely on scrambling, typically will not be affected as extremely by this injury. So I think he's going to settle in nicely. But I just cannot ignore that last season, in seven games played, he had 19 touchdowns. Yes, you heard that right. 19 touchdowns in seven, his first ever seven NFL games started. The risk and why it's not, not all peaches and cream, though, is he had eight interceptions. So in seven games, he is definitely turning the ball over, but he is aggressively pushing the football down the field, which I think makes DeAndre Hopkins a beast, but especially Will Fuller as well, with his seven touchdown grabs last season. So I think Watson is primed for a lot with the really strong one and two receivers and a pretty balanced team. All right. All right, so you, you just, out of those people, you he's your keeper, right? That's what you just said. I think I have to go with Watson as my actual keeper. As much as I am in love with DeAndre Hopkins, I think Deshaun Watson is the keeper that I I feel like is more notable. All right. My keeper, hands down, I got to say it, is DeAndre Hopkins. Because I just got to emphasize it. He's the keeper. Tom Savage, I, who whoever. Uh, O'Brien, the only Brian person, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, if the coach was out there throwing, the only person who could make it work was Brock Osweiler. That was literally the only one. Yes. <laughs> but I'm not certain he's actually a quarterback. I don't know. <laughs> I hope he's good at baseball or something. Is he on a team now? Uh, he's still on some team as a backup. Quarterback. He's still getting paid by somebody. He's still getting paid. <laughs> crazy to me. Oh boy, I don't know about that. Who's my creeper, John? You know. If I have to take a guess. I would say uh, your creeper might be Donta Foreman. He is my he. Well, he is a creeper, but he's not so talked the about. The creeper. He's not my the creeper. I told you we may disagree. Are you looking at Will Fuller? No. I'm <laughs> running out of people. Lamar Miller. Deshaun Watson. Oh, Deshaun Watson is my creeper. Your creeper, pretty much quarterback Good number time. one. You know, it's him or him or Rogers right now. And all we got from him is six games. What else we got from him is two knee surgeries. We have a Correct. touchdown percentage. The touchdown rate, like you talked to and alluded to, is insane. Gives us all good memories. Six games of yes. great memories. But his touchdown percentage was higher than like. Four percentage points higher than Aaron Rodgers, his career rate. And Aaron Rodgers has been the leader for of active quarterbacks for a while now. For quite a while. Two major knee surgeries. Who does he remind me of? Dual threat that everybody was hyped up on after the first season. Would you be looking at Michael Vick? Oh, because then Michael Vick turned out a pretty decent career. <laughs> I'm looking at a <laughs> oh, Ravens quarterback burnout. right now. I'm you're talking burnout. You're thinking Deshaun Watson is going to burn out. I'm not thinking burnout, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm comparing him to the worries I have for RG3. That's who he sounds mm-hmm. like. Remember? We are hyped up on RG3. RG3, for a minute, did look quite good before he got rushed back from an injury. Mm-hmm. If Who has the worst offensive line in the NFL right now? 
If, if, if you're gonna ask me right now, I would say the New York Giants would feel like the worst offensive line last season. Of course, it's it's up to opinion, but people are saying Houston Texans. I find that heavily shocking. To me, I, I would. I know that Houston's offensive line isn't great, but how can something be worse than Seattle's offensive line? How can someone they be worse than the Giants? Even with Nate Soldier being added and trying to be fixed, even the Bengals. I feel like the one oof. that gave me the list I get, got that gave me the best stats had the Seattle at thirty, and Houston thirty two. Okay. <laughs> okay, so they're in the same general basement. Feel but... a little bit more like Robert Griffin now. Okay. I- I'm only he's... worried if they rush him back. The only thing that's helping him is he's got to strength the schedule one. They have a couple of you know with Watt and uh, I think it's Merciless returning on defense. It's not going to be too many shootouts this season. Um, but I just don't like it. I think he's going to regress. A TD rate, definitely. Um, it, but the big thing to me is I, I don't think he's RG3. I, I definitely don't. I think he's going to have a pretty good career. But he's got the alarming things that make me think RG3 and think RG3 risk. And I don't understand him versus the other top-tier dual-threat people. I, I don't understand you taking him over Russell Wilson, who's way more proven, and who even with a bad offensive line, can still function very well. I don't think we have the sample size to say Deshaun Watson can. And we also don't have the dual threat capabilities that we've compared him to with Cam Newton. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's 6'3", 220, but Cam Newton is 6'5", 245. He's a huge man. Mm -hmm. He's a monster. He's getting those touchdowns. Deshaun Watson, I'm not certain on. Honestly, kind of sounds like Mariota. Kind of sounds like... What's... Let's go Tannehill. His rates are even tough. You're making a Deshaun Watson to Ryan Tannehill. I'm going there because I don't understand his average draft pick. I don't understand the fanfare. And I don't know if it's Houston because Houston's also got Alfred Blue, who I don't understand. Like, I would like to visit Houston just to talk to fans (laughs) around there and be like, how has this man been your pretty much number two steadily for years? Because they got Foreman, and the reason I'm not high on Foreman is because there is not a single running back in the history of the NFL that has come back successfully from a torn Achilles. Beanie Wells, um, Arian Foster's career is ruined to it. Nobody has ever made it back from a torn Achilles at running back. It's devastating. Why would you... There's got to be somebody better than... Alfred Blue is your backup. Back up to Lamar Miller, yes. Which then I'll say, Which, my, my sleeper is Lamar Miller. Be, not because we've seen him in two seasons, so I don't expect him to do too much more crazy, but I think these games are going to be close. And, and the weird thing is, we've talked about how I think they have the worst offensive line, but they also have, by the same uh, provider, the number one strength of schedule. So they're playing the easiest route. So these are all going to be close games, so they're going to have to be rushing the ball. Levar, Lamar Miller has no competition with Alfred Blue. I would agree with that. Yeah. Alfred Blue, to me, is nothing more than a depth addition. I, even the coaches have came out and said, what's the appeal of Alfred Blue? And an article I read said, Alfred Blue is reliable. He plays 16 games, doesn't get hurt. That's yeah. literally the whole reason why they have him on the roster. Because it's not because of his yards per carry average. It's not because of his season totals for rushing. It's not because of his touchdowns. And I don't think Foreman makes back. I am skeptical that Foreman will be the same. And here was an interesting set. Here's an the Lamar Miller. So where I said Hopkins is a sure keeper because it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He's going to be, I think, wide receiver 
if it's not Deshaun Watson, it may not be wide receiver one, but it's going to be top five. But I think with Watson, he's wide receiver one. He's got great chemistry, and I do like Deshaun Watson more than Tannehill. Of course, I'm going to draft him over Tannehill. <laughs> I will and, I'll, and I'll draft him over... Um, Gosh, who else did I say? Mariota? Mariota, yeah. I would draft him over Tyrod Taylor, who he reminds me of a lot. Of, honestly, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor chucks the deep ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's dual threat in the same way. But I would gladly, what I'm saying is wait until round, who knows, I don't know how deep your draft goes, but I could wait till 13 through 18 and take Tyrod Taylor and Mariota. And I'd feel better about doing that than taking Watson in the third or fourth, is what I'm saying. Because this is the deepest quarterback class of all time to me that I played fantasy football it, it is a very deep quarterback class and oh, I'm sorry I didn't make my point about Lamar Miller Go it does it. matter who's playing quarterback for Lamar Miller because last season when Deshaun Watson was a quarterback Lamar Miller did average per game five fantasy points higher that is a notable portion yeah. higher but I think that's a testament to Deshaun Watson's skill and so Lamar Miller as a sleeper I can see it personally I view him as more of a stable running back I think if you draft him, you're getting yourself a running, a running back, too. No ifs, ands, or buts. His floor and his ceiling are very close to me, and it will be a volume-based running back, too. There's, like you said, there's no risk to anyone else touching the football besides him at the running back position. If he stays healthy, he's getting the ball. And so he's also able to do a lot in the receiving game and rushing game and block. So I think with him being a pretty complete back, a veteran, and has a pretty solid track record, Although he's only getting five touchdowns a year, two years ago, and three touchdowns last year, he's still getting good volume, and he's averaging between 3.7 and 4 yards a carry. And this is the easiest schedule he's had. Correct. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like He's not really a sleeper in the sense that I think we know what he's going to get. He's going to be the stable guy. But I think this is his best season in Houston. And his yes. average draft pick is so low in comparison to other years he's, that he's now become a sleeper. He's a very stale pick because he's not flashy, but I think a lot of people's rosters are going to benefit from being from drafting Lamar Miller because you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And I think stability at the running back position is a lot <laughs> to be valued. So I, I have no problems with Lamar Miller being the sleeper. But I do really love me some Deshaun Watson. Even with everything that you said, <laughs> I think there is risk. I, I, won't, I won't argue that. I think with his torn ACL... It, it, Re-aggravations could happen. He might be a little slow coming back. There might be a little comfort level or some mental blocks. He may be backing up Joe Flacco in a couple of years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> breaks my heart. It can't happen. But I truly believe Deshaun Watson, with the receiver group that he has there, and with his numbers that he put up last season, if he can come out with that sort of aggressiveness, his numbers are probably going to be sky high. But it will require him to be on the field, and then also DeAndre Hopkins staying healthy. I think it, more or less than anything else, I think Watson is going to make Hopkins and Fuller so good because he targeted wide receivers mostly in his first season when he was playing. So I'm, I'm in love with Watson, but there is risk. I can't argue with that. Not RG3 this year risk, but risk. No, I'm just a little bit on the – I just think his draft pick's crazy based on a six-game NFL sample and a huge injury. Just – no thanks. But anyways, to our last team, Jacksonville. Strength of schedule's four. Pretty dang good. That's pretty cakey. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, 15. We're in the middle of the pack. What do you got? I think Jacksonville's a very reliable team at the running back position. And there's some intrigue at wide receiver. Uh, I think if I'm going to talk about 
the safest pick that you could have on this team, it would be Leonard Fournette. Um, he, right now, he seems to be going around the low end of the first round or very high end in the second round for most picks um, in standard drafts. And in PPR, he might be a little lower because he is a very one-dimensional running back. I think he's a very good between-the-tackles runner, but as a receiver, I think a little bit more limited. Um, but, but Jacksonville's lifeblood, the team and everything they're going to be successful with is running the football, and Leonard Fournette is where that's going to go through. T.Y. Hilton, or T, or, yeah, T.Y. Hilton is a, a good complimentary receiving back, kind of along the lines of... You say Yeldon? Yeldon. Yeldon, okay. yes. Yeldon. Yeldon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think he, he has a lot of ability to catch, um, and it, I don't think it's going to necessarily take away from Leonard Fournette, because they are such a f- run-first team, that I think Bo, or Fournette is a pretty clear upper echelon pick, with not a lot of risk. Just because of his high volume. So I think his 1,000 yards last year and nine touchdowns is a pretty safe estimate of what it will be. But there's a chance he gets better in his sophomore year once he has a little bit of a different change up in the scheme and some healthy receivers because they had a lot of injuries last season at the wide receiver core. Okay, okay. I, I To me... I know what you said, and I know what you meant when you said the lifeblood of the team is Leonard Fournette. But the lifeblood of the Jaguars is really their defense. The lifeblood of their offense very is Fournette. True. Yes, from a fantasy perspective. And, yes. and, and that makes this team kind of not very interesting to talk about because I think their whole offense is Fournette, and I think everybody knows that. I think even the defenses will know that. But they also, uh, I think, I think Blake Bortles, he's come out and said this is the first year he's felt right in three years. You know, he's battled some injuries that he's kind of said he's toughed up through. And I don't know how true that is. Psychologically, at least, it's true for him. Mm-hmm. And I think he used to be a pretty good gunslinger. When Allen Robinson and Hearns, had, they had a great – he was a good gunslinger. He was I, able to get them both the football. From a fantasy perspective, he made two receivers relevant, which is a hard thing to do. And I thought he played very well in the playoffs. I thought he played within himself, and he was a gamer. I like him doing better than the past couple of years. Um, I think he's going to bounce back, which will only help Fournette, take some pressure off of him. Yes. But here's what I like about Fournette is, of course, we know he's got chronic ankle injuries. But in healthcare, we always tell our patients that one pound of body fat, seven pounds off the knees. He is 17 pounds lighter than he was at the combine. I don't know what that translates to ankle, but it's got to be happy it's that he's dropped help. that weight. <laughs> and what else is happy about his ankle is Andrew Norwell. Huge addition to that offensive line. So Absolutely. the volume is still going to be there. It's still going to be an easy schedule. They're going to be winning games on defense, pounding the game on the, uh, with a running game. Uh, Leonard Fournette is just going to benefit from being lighter. He's going to be benefiting from having a premier uh, lineman brought uh, over from Carolina, who um, I went to one of my best friends through college, went to high school with Andrew Norwell, and, and I got to meet him at a, sadly at a funeral, but he is a, he seems like a legitimate guy, and I got on that personal resource that he is a very good dude, and that he is a he takes practice and stuff very seriously. So I think the line is going to be way better. I think they have a leader on their line, and I think I think Leonard Fournette's going to have a huge game because Leonard Fournette was the second piece in our uh, Devonta Freeman, uh, David Johnson for Fournette and Cook deal, and you were mm-hmm. feeling bad about getting rid of Cook, and I wanted Fournette yes. because I passed on Fournette in the draft last year. I wanted him back, and I just think he's a gamer. I like the violent running, and I, I think chronic ankle injuries, sprains and stuff, if you take care of yourself, drop that weight. 
I don't see it coming back to bother him this year as much. I know it bothered him some last year too, but he took the steps to fix that. But sadly, outside of that, I don't think we have too much exciting to talk about. So we can just briefly talk about sleepers and keepers and get these people off to bed that are listening to us. Yeah, I'll just go over a little bit. Um, it seems like there's a couple of receivers that they added, and there's a lot of shakeup this year with Allen Robinson departing um, and Allen Hearns departing. They're left with Marquise Lee. He's their veteran. Um, last two seasons, he's put up more like, okay, a respectable amount of yards, 851 and 702 with three touchdowns in both seasons. Um, but also injuries have plagued him. So I think there's a little bit of uh, a risk with him trying to stay healthy, but he has been healthy the last two years, so or primarily healthy. He missed a few games last season. Um, but they also have Keelan Cole, who last season as a rookie had 748 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so he was involved as well in the offense with all the injuries. And then they added Dante Moncrief. The one thing I find really notable about that is they paid him $9.6 million guaranteed. I don't think you pay somebody $9.6 million guaranteed to be a slot receiver on a team. So I have a feeling that Moncrief is looking, from the organizational standpoint, to be one of the top two receivers on this football team. So I kind of like Moncrief, actually, as my primary receiver in this system this year. That's my sleeper, is that Moncrief isn't anywhere near the two draft positions of Marquise Lee and Keenan Cole, but... I think Moncrief, with his pedigree in Indy, I think he could be a little bit of a sleeper. I'm still not sure at what draft position. I don't really like many of these people, as well, like just like you said. But it kind of just adds more confusion to this. I don't think yeah. any of them will be much more than a flex option. Yeah. But maybe late in the drafts. I, I think if, if I was going to have to pick a receiver to own, I would say Moncrief. It's interesting to hear your take on the receiving core. And I don't think... We disagree, but I don't think it really matters. I don't think me or you are targeting any of these people in the draft. That's correct. I, I think I think when we talk sleepers, creepers, it's somebody in that wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. Creeper to me is just because I saw that one-year, $9 million contract for Moncrief. I don't I don't know about that. It's just crazy to me. Like you said, luck, make much luck sense. made him work. Uh, he's got a huge, nice frame, so luck like that. But... Yeah. I don't think so. I think, to me, he is the one not to own out of Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee, and then who I'll mention as my sleeper, Day-Day Westbrook. Um, but, yeah, Moncrief's got a nice frame, nice speed, but they say that his speed just doesn't translate to in-game, that he looks slow, and that this offseason he's just kind of been absent-minded almost, it seems. Um, but with that, who's been bringing it to practice all the time, and I hear good things about Keelan Cole too, but Day-Day Westbrook has just been looking baller. In, in seven games last year with Blake Bortles, he had 51 targets. So we know Blake Bortles likes him. And you talked about Marquise Lee. And to me, Marquise Lee is the Lamar Miller after we just got done talking about him with this receiving core. And the Mohamed Sanu, I just think you you get you're, you know what you're going to get. It's not you're going to draft Marquise Lee and lo and behold, he's going to turn out 100 you know, more fantasy points than suspected. But I agree. you're going to get what you're going to get. He's been pretty consistent when he's playing. If you're happy with getting him and maybe get like five points or four to five points, I guess, in his standard game, it's not very intriguing. Maybe if you need him on a bye week and a flex, I don't But there's almost always a better high-risk player. If you're, if you're looking to cash out five 
and you get one out of your boom or bust player that week, you're only losing four. But if mm-hmm. you get a boom and you get 23 out of those players, I think that's always worth the risk. And to me, that. Westbrook's that bust, uh, the boom, I should say. And we know Blake Bortles likes him. He is ex- he's, a, he's pretty good athletically. Um, and he did all that last season. He missed all those games early on. He could have had... He could have been easily the number one, but he missed the majority of the games early on with a core muscle injury, which is hard to come back from. So he's entering this season healthy, and I think he could take over as number one in this offense, especially since Bortles likes him. I think I think their goal was to keep Bortles comfortable, and I think that's why they paid a receiver a bunch of money to get here. Is how do we make him comfortable to pick pressure off our run game so we can win the games? Because I think that's the I think Jaguars have the defense to be a legitimate team. Yeah. Um, yeah, for now, it's their offense. I fully agree. I think he's the only one to own. Sneaky, Yel- Yeldon's not so bad, especially if he, uh, Fournette gets beat up at all. A lot of people are saying Grant's the one to own if Fournette gets gets hurt, but I still think it's Yeldon. I th- thought he played pretty well yeah. whenever he got the chance to play last season. But for the most part, he's a very late-round flyer handcuff to Fournette. At best, I I, w- I wouldn't risk a pick like that. I'd rather take a dip into the Indianapolis muck to find a, a running Something. back instead. Yeah, just because there's more upside. Yeah, and honestly, if we were looking for a receiving threat on Jacksonville, I think the receiver I would take is probably we have to mention it, Austin Safarian Jenkins, the tight end. Yeah, he's probably he could be the best. He, he honestly say, could be. A big frame, and he he looked pretty good in Tampa when he was able to play. And he looked good at the Jets last year. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe he's a good tight end this year. He could be. It's probably I, an I upgrade know. over Mercedes Lewis. Mm-hmm. The actual walking skeleton that is Mercedes Lewis that's right. still playing. So with his departure, Austin Safari Jenkins does have an opportunity to be maybe on the tight end one radar if things break well for him. I would wait a few weeks to pick him up, but I would keep an eye on him. Yeah, I just kind of stay away from off-field issues because they're just too dumb as it is to to deal with in the game. But that's it. Thanks for listening. Next week we'll go west or east. I'm feeling east. All right, you heard it from the man himself. <laughs> east next week. Take care and stay classy. Thanks for listening.